You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, listen, are you concerned about your look? I would imagine probably so. If you ever shower or brush your teeth or try to make your hair look presentable, I've got amazing news for you. Dollar Shave Club has got a lot of stuff to help you out. Pretty much anything you need. Dollar Shave Club delivers everything you need to look, feel, and smell your very best. What I'm getting at is Dollar Shave Club has so much more than just razors. Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to get ready in your bathroom. And here's a great way to try a bunch of Dollar Shave Club's products. For just five bucks, you can get their daily essential starter set. It comes with body cleanser, one wipe Charlie's. They're amazing. Buttocks. Wipes, their world famous shave butter, and their best razor, the Six Blade Executive. Keep the blades coming for a few more bucks a month and add in shampoo, toothpaste, or anything else you need. Check it all out right now at dollarshaveclub.com slash Rome. Dollarshaveclub.com slash Rome. Literally anything you need for your bathroom at dollarshaveclub.com slash Rome. I went to his house at a time in San Luis Obispo that was the craziest, strangest, like, sex fest of a weekend not involving me that I've ever seen in my entire life. Welcome to the Jim Rome Podcast. Believe it or not, the podcast is turning 40 and like anybody hitting the big 4-0, we are not going to wallow in misery or have some midlife crises. We are celebrating the way you should by blowing it out, by going big, by taking this thing to the sports book, baby. My guest is Chad Millman. Chad is the head of media for the Action Network. He's also a best-selling author. He's the former editor-in-chief at ESPN.com and ESPN the Magazine. And he has been out front and ahead of the curve on sports gambling, well before the Supreme Court ever overturned the federal law prohibiting it. The way we talk about sports is changing. It includes things now like point spreads, over-unders, and money lines. And as we watch things evolve right before our eyes, who better to have on the pod than to break it all down than Chad? So, pod up. Maybe you'll learn something. Hell, maybe you'll earn something. Ep 40 gets started right after this word from my pals at Lumber Liquidators. I can't believe it. The first week of June 2018 is flying right on by. Now, we all want to continue to elevate our game. We all want to make sure this is the best year ever. If you're a contractor or a builder or a remodeler, you want to listen carefully because elevating your game for the rest of this year just got a whole lot easier thanks to my best friends at Lumber Liquidators. They've got a brand new program. It's their new LL Pro Plus program. Let me lay that out for you. LL Pro Plus is Lumber Liquidator's new pro services team that you can call on for all your professional flooring needs. LL Pro Plus will help you crush it this year with professional pricing and dedicated support to get you exactly what you need when you need it. This way you get your projects finished on time. And LL Pro Plus gives you the ultimate value and quality And with LL Pro Plus, every job is good. In other words, no job is too large. No job is too small. So put the flooring experts on your team today. Visit your local Lumber Liquidator store or go to LumberLiquidators.com. That's LumberLiquidators.com. Let's continue to kill it in 2018 and make it the best year ever with Lumber Liquidators. 
And right now, a quick shout-out in recognition of the National Radio Hall of Fame love that I got on the voicemail last week. I can't tell you how much it means to me. It means a lot to me that so many podcast listeners and Jungle listeners have taken the time to lob me a recorded message about wanting to vote me in. Thank you so much for that support, and thank you for the well wishes. It does mean the world to me. It almost makes pressing play on this week's batch a little bit easier. Almost. Now, if you don't know how to vote for the Hall of Fame, stay tuned to the end of this episode, and I will give you instructions on that. It is very easy, and it's very quick. Until then, here are this week's voicemails. First new message. Romy, Russ from South Carolina. You're going to get my vote for the Hall of Fame, brother. I've been listening so long, I was one of the original Chuck Dickerson disciples that you said if we got you 10,000 of us to the tour stop in Buffalo, you showed up. We did you did. It was on. So, for my vote, I want an autographed alligator head from your pond that you chased away the ducks with. Message saved. Next message. I just wanted to thank you and Chris Dolman for a great interview. My wife has gone through a similar problem with cancer, heart problem, and stroke. And she's also a fighter. Thank you, Jim. Keep up the good work. And this is Ken Milwaukee. Message saved. Next message. Uh... Believe it or not, uh, damn, uh, yeah, this was not against, this was, uh, uh, against my better judgment. Message deleted. Next message. Uh, oh, uh, dun, 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 oh my god. Delete, delete. Message deleted. Next message. This is your biggest fan in Colorado Springs. My pops brought me up on you. I love you, man. And I love your show. Message saved. Next message. Why don't you ever answer the phone? Message saved. Next message. What up, Van Smack? This is Jed in Illinois. What do you think of that sweet lettuce that Kevin loves rocking for the NBA Finals? you think a guy making $21 million a year might splurge for something better than a super cut. I mean, dude looks like straight out of Sling Blade. Mmm, damn near cut his head clean off. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Jimmy. Born in Naples. All I wanted to say was, let's go, Warriors. Let's go. Let's do it. Put me in the smack off. I'll be sure to disappoint you. Come on now. Lauren and Naples, man's game, I'm out. Message saved. Next message. 查询文件内容请按一。由本馆人员为您咨询。中国领事馆最后通知。您有一则文件已达多天尚未领取。请携带相关证件过来领取。Message saved. Next message. What up, Rome? Gun and Tackle here. Just letting you know that I will be voting for you on the 4th. Uh, regardless of the box of chaos, I don't need anything from there. Anything extra will be nice. I've been a clone since I was 21. My dad turned me on to you. I'll be 41 next year, so have hawk to the simple math. Uh, War James Kelly's forehead being our new U.S. missile defense system. Out. Message saved. Next message. Rome. David in South Carolina calling, thought I'd add a little class to this voicemail segment. Most of what I hear on here is complete bullshit. Tell you what, the best thing about the voicemail is hearing how fast you run Dr. Dave. I'm still waiting for the, hey, Rome, this is Doc, message deleted. 
Message saved. Next message. Hey, what's up, Roman Stock? Message deleted. You have no more messages. Once again, thank you very much for all the Hall of Fame love. It is humbling and it is so appreciated. And it is necessary if we're going to get this thing done in the next two weeks. So vote Rome. Then tell your friends to vote Rome. Tell their friends to vote Rome. And thanks to Ken in Milwaukee for bringing up my interview with Chris Dolman. If you're a listener to this podcast, but you did not catch my conversation last week with the Hall of Famer on our radio program, you can catch it on my other podcast, The Daily Jungle. As for the rest of you, to that dude who sharked himself, get out of the water. To Jed in Illinois, I don't think Kevin Love went to the barbershop and asked for the sling blade. And Lauren, there is no golden ticket for completing a sentence. You need to do a little bit better than that, girlfriend. And lastly, David in South Carolina, don't worry. We will treat the good doctor with the respect that he deserves. None. Most of us do not know how to brush our teeth. I'm serious. Most of us are brushing our teeth all wrong. For example, we're not brushing long enough, or we forget to change our brush on time. And that's because most brands focus on selling flashy gimmicks rather than better brushing, but not Quip. So, what makes Quip so different? For starters, Quip is an electric toothbrush that is a fraction of the cost of bulkier brushes while packing just the right amount of vibrations to help clean your teeth. Quip's built-in timer helps you clean for the dentist-recommended two minutes with guiding pulses that remind you when it's time to switch sides. And it's the first subscription electric toothbrush accepted by the American Dental Association. Quip starts at only $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash Rome right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Rome. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Rome. I've got my quip. I absolutely love it. Now you should get yours. If you've been in Las Vegas, you probably know what it's like to spend a game day in a sports book. There's action everywhere. Horses, hoops, football, hockey, golf. If you can watch it, you can bet it. And if there's a reason why I'm talking more about gambling, it's not just because it's legal now. I mean, that's a big deal. But it's also because of that experience. Watching a game in a book. Losing your mind in the company of strangers. Not just cheering wins and losses, but backdoor covers and three-team parlays. Chad Millman understands that. He understands, in fact, where this whole thing is going. So I'm pumped to get a little bit of time to stretch out, get his perspective, and share it all with you. Enjoy this pod. I'm doing great. I'm glad to be back. I thought the conversation last time was awesome. It was too quick. That's what I'm saying. It was awesome, but it was too quick. So we've got some more time where we can lay things out. Let me tell you this. I had a great conversation with one of your Action Network guys today, Paul LaDuca, and I had not spoken to him in quite some time. It was great to get caught up. So let me start right there. How did you come to hiring him, and what's he bring to your platform in the way of content and insight? Well, the best thing about LaDuca is it is impossible for him not to be who he is in every single thing he does, right? So any conversation you're having with him, it sounds like you've known him forever, and it sounds exactly like the guy who you would imagine was playing baseball the way he was for 10 years and, you know, a four-time All-Star and stuff like that. His stories that he writes are the exact same way. Like, they are so full of, like, 
real, authentic passion and enthusiasm. He, just, he writes the way he speaks, which is actually, you know, one of the nicest things that I think any writer, anybody who's trying to communicate with anybody can sort of hear is that you are as authentic as you can possibly be, and that's exactly what he is, and he's just so full of enthusiasm and passion. And it was a total, I got totally lucky. Like, um, the guy who hired me at Action Network, who runs all of Churn and Digital, this guy named Mike Kearns, happened to see a tweet from LaDuca that referenced something about gambling in the NBA. So he sent it to me, and I called um, the New York Racing Association, because that's where LaDuca is broadcasting. He broadcasts for the New York Racing Association, and those races are on Fox Sports 2 and things like that. Um, I, left them, I literally left them a voicemail. Like I just said, my name's Chad Noman. I'm with the Action Network. Can someone call me back? I'm trying to get in touch with Paul LaDuca. Crazy. I never thought I would hear from anybody. Um, and like I'm just some rando calling you know, Naira for Paul LaDuca. And someone called me back, and um, they gave me Paul's number. And it was like I was traveling, so I couldn't call him right away. I got a text from him within 24 hours, and he texted me, a picture, you know, when I was on the show with you last week, we talked about this book I wrote called The Odds, where I tracked these guys who bet on sports for a living in Vegas, and I wrote it, you know, many, many years ago. He texted me a picture of the book um, and said, let's talk as soon as you can. And so I called him, and, um, you know, it's a, he, he's instant chemistry. I mean, you know. And so, like, immediately uh, I had him writing for us and doing podcasts with us, and he launched a podcast this week called Embrace the Sweat, and he's just he's the best. I just love the guy. I think, Chad, my favorite part of that story is you cold calling Naira to find Paul LaDuca. And obviously that worked because this, this is exactly where this guy lives. He loves this sort of thing. And, you know, you and I have done this a long time, and this is what you want. You want personalities that are accessible and anecdotal, and they've got energy, and they've got a story to tell. And this guy's got stories for days. So to me, it's a very natural fit between you and him and what you do. Now, let me ask you this. I feel like it's not going to be too long before I start asking questions like this when I never would have at any other time in my career. So let me just try this on for size. In the NBA Finals this series, shifts back to Cleveland. The Cavs are down 2-0. What's the line and what's the play tomorrow night? So right now the line is uh, Cavs plus five and a half. The first half bet is Pickham. So in this series, in the, in the, in the first game in the series, I bet um, I only bet the first half. I bet the Cavs plus seven in the first half. In fact, I bet Leduca the Cavs plus seven in the first half. He took the other side. He owes me his very special Pee Wee Reese Brooklyn Dodgers jacket. In the second game, because the Cavs covered that first half easily, in the, and, and the reason I did that is because the Warriors had come out sluggish generally in the first half of, in a lot of their games against the Rockets. And so I thought that would sort of be lingering, and they sort of haven't played peak Warrior basketball yet. And then in the second game, I thought the Cavs were going to kill them. And, I mean, I thought the Warriors were going to kill them. I thought the Cavs had given everything they had. And, like, to lose the way they did, it's just a psychological blow. Um, and certainly they, the Warriors did. I had them at minus 11.5, which is a big number, and I'm not really comfortable betting numbers that big. But I did it. In this third game, um, and, and it won, in this third game, I'm probably going to go with the Cavs plus 5.5. I think if there's any chance for them to keep a game close, I think it's in this game. Um, so I'd probably take the Cavs in the first half, too, and take them at pick, and I would take the Cavs at the plus five and a half. I would not be surprised if they lose. 
Um, but I do think that this is sort of the one time where they can keep it close. And the Warriors in this postseason have had a habit of dominating teams and getting out to early leads in series and then letting teams back in and win a game. And so, you know, we call it the gentleman's sweep, where they're like just giving people like that one game because they feel bad. And um, they did it with the Spurs, certainly. And so I think that this is the time where the Warriors might be a little complacent and the Cavs need to win this game because they know it's all or nothing right now. See, Chad, that's my thing. I mean, I think Golden State coming into this, they're going to carry Cleveland as long as they want to. If they want to end this thing quickly, they will. If they lose interest or they become complacent, maybe they carry them for an extra round. But I'm more blown away by the conversation you and I are having. I mean, you're a pro and you rolled right into that, but I'm kind of blown away by... I'm having this conversation with you and that I posed the question that I just posed to you when I've never done that before. So what about media? How do you think that the expansion of legalized sports gambling is going to impact the way sports are covered? I think you're seeing it. I think you see it in the question you asked. You see it in uh, Rachel Nichols the other night. She was doing an interview with LeBron, and it aired on ESPN, and she asked LeBron about the Cavs being huge underdogs in the series before it started, and not just in the series, but in the game. And so... I think you're going to see it in a lot of very subtle, nuanced ways where all of a sudden people in the media are less, um, less fearful um, and less conservative about mentioning games through the lens of the point spread, through the lens of the odds, about who's the favorite. And they might have been doing that anyways, um, but they wouldn't do it as often. And also, they might do it more overtly with the subjects in the games themselves. Um, and I think that taboo is going to start to disappear pretty quickly um, because people are going to recognize that you can have that conversation and the athletes can be comfortable having that conversation without a feeling like they are going to be doing something that is untoward or that people are going to be saying, well, there's a lack of integrity in the game because they know about the point spread. Uh, they can pull, everyone can sort of pull the curtain back a little bit on what this conversation has been. Chad, generally, in your experience, do players, are they aware of the spreads in the games that they're playing? And if so, how prevalent is that? I don't think they are. Um, you know, it's funny. We have Laduca and we have Jeff Schwartz, who are two former pro athletes, and they just started this podcast. And one of the reasons why I wanted athletes to do this podcast is because that is the single biggest question that anybody has about sports betting, is how connected are the athletes to what's going on and how much do they know about the point spread? To a T, every single athlete I've ever spoken to about this has told, except for like, you know, the hardcore gamblers, like you and I both know Tom Tolbert. And like, <laughs> Tolbert for years has been a hardcore gambler, and he has always known what the point spread is, and he does not make any apologies about it. And he knew that for the years when he was playing, and he knew it for the years since he was playing. But like, most athletes, um, they don't really recognize the point spread as much as they are aware if they're underdogs. Um, and they use that to sort of frame everything that they're doing in terms of preparation for the game, in motivation for the game. If they are underdogs, then it helps sort of compel them to, they think, a better performance. But I don't think it's a regular conversation in the locker room. Like, guys aren't talking about, hey, do you see that the uh, Bears are seven-point dogs or the Packers this weekend when they're playing for the Steelers? Right. They used it as a uh, point of reference and like we're being disrespected. Let's rally around this. It's fuel is what it is for a lot of guys. Exactly. Now, you know, let's go back a few weeks just to be responsible about this and because you're so close to it. But the fact is, I think a lot of people still are confused as to what the Supreme Court ruling actually means when it comes to sports gambling. Can you quickly lay that out for the listeners exactly what was decided and then what's life been like at the Action Network since that ruling came down? God, that's a great question. Because even like 
everyone confuses the terminology. What the, what the Supreme Court did, there was a law that had been in existence since 1993 called the Professional Amateur Sports Protection Act, which basically made it illegal for any states that at the time did not have some form of sports betting laws on the books to enact any sports betting laws going forward. So they, they basically created a federal sports betting ban. And at the time, Nevada obviously had sports betting. Um, most people don't know that Delaware, Montana, and Oregon also had forms of sports betting lotteries on their books. And so you could sort of, in, in sort of very, very specific and challenging ways, you could sort of bet on sports and multiple teams and what people call parlays and things like that. But they weren't really... And, um, None of those states were acting on them, and they were, they were challenging, and they didn't make the kind of money that you would make in Nevada. So this law was called PASPA, and what the Supreme Court did was basically rule that PASPA was unconstitutional. Uh, it eliminated the law. And so um, that sort of opened the floodgates for any state that is interested in getting into sports betting um, to authorize it if their state legislature and the voters in each state decide they want to pass a law to do so. It did not mean that all of a sudden sports betting is legal from a federal perspective and you can go to any state and somebody who's interested can open a sports book and sort of start taking bets. It's really still state, what the Supreme Court did was say, okay, on a state-by-state basis, anybody who wants it can enact it. And so what that does is sort of accelerate the process for a lot of states who have been planning on sports betting becoming legal sometime in the next, say, five years, um, to really go in uh, full bore. And so states like Mississippi um, and Pennsylvania and West Virginia, um, New York, like they're all trying to get sports betting enacted uh, before we get into football season. Delaware opened its sports books today, like the Action Network has correspondence on the, on, you know, on the ground in Delaware. Um, New Jersey is trying to rush through a bill so they can get sports betting going as early as next week. Um, that's what's happening. And so for us at the Action Network, um, it's freaking awesome. Like, <laughs> you know, we're kids in the candy shop because everybody is interested in this space. Everybody is trying to figure out how to cover it. Um, everybody is sort of actively engaged and trying to figure out what it means for them as a fan, like, how do you experience this? What is the opportunity? Um, and so it's just, it's been amazing. You know, Chad, I was going to say that you've got a lot of states, and you touched on this. You've got states that obviously were aware that this could be coming down, so they've been preparing for it, they've been ramping up for it. Are there states, do you think, that will be taking bets to start the football season? Absolutely. Certainly Delaware. Obviously, they're starting today. Uh, New Jersey. Um, I think New York is going gonna, is gonna to really be in a furious push um, to get there. I think Pennsylvania is going to go for it. I think West Virginia is going to go for it. Um, I think that Mississippi um, has a good chance to get there. I think if you're, like, those are the five states that sort of um, outside of Nevada, uh, Delaware, Pennsylvania, Mississippi, West Virginia, New York, that everyone was saying has the best chance to get something going um, in advance of next football season. They're the furthest along in terms of setting up laws and, and uh, within their state legislatures. Hey, Chad, something really interesting. I mean, you know, the NFL obviously is, I mean, these things are natural, right? You're going to get down, you're going to bet these things. The National Spelling Bee went down recently. Is that something that you can bet? Brother, let me tell you right now. We had a story last week where one of our writers 
broke down the national spelling bee and the betting opportunities in a way that this was before game one of the NBA Finals. The story was so good. It was written by one of our writers named Mark Gallant. So good, so in-depth, and so funny. It was the leading story on our site for 36 hours. It had more traffic than Stanley Cup. It had more traffic than any baseball game. It had more traffic than anything um, that was related to the NBA Finals. And that is not to diminish the, the value and sort of quality of any of those stories. That's how good the story was. Like, it, it, it not only did incredible research into the spelling bee, but it very subtly asked the moral question, is it okay to bet on kids? And next level, is it okay to bet on race? Right. Because some of the bets you could bet on is, will it be a boy? Will it be a girl? Will the winner have braces? Will the, ra- will the winner be of Indian descent? Um, and the writer, Mark, went back and, and reviewed going back more than a dozen years on who's winning, what, is, what race is the person who's winning, how old are they, are they boy or girl? Do they have braces? Is the last word, you know, nine letters or more? How many syllables? I mean, the guy went fucking deep, man. And it was, it was astonishing, and it was a sight. It was inspiring. I mean, Chad, that, that is insane. There was so much to unpack there. I mean, I can remember the first time I ever talked about spelling bee way back on the day just as an event, and people were not happy about that. But where do you come out on this? I mean, are there ethical and moral issues with betting on kids? And can you really bet on race? You 100% could bet on the race. I will tell you, um, we talked about it in the office, like after the story was up and sort of people were starting to get down action. And it felt very, very strange to even look at a bet where you're betting on a person's race. Even though sort of you take it out of that context, you're not, you're not implying anything racist. You are only sort of extracting a fact. And it is a fact that over the past several years, people who are of Indian descent are um, winning the spelling bee at a higher rate than people who are not. And it's no different than saying, will the winner be a boy or a girl? But there is something about it that, and by the way, even betting on the fact, will it be a boy or a girl versus a man or a woman, um, feels a little bit, like, uncomfortable, right? Um, just, it, it's a language thing, and if you can get past the language thing, you're just dealing with facts, and then you can appropriately make the bet and seize the opportunity and decide, you know, is it the right thing or the wrong thing for you as an investor in the spelling bee. Um, but, yeah, I... I I don't know where I come down with it just because the language is challenging. No, I know exactly what you're saying, Chad. I mean, there's something about it, right? There's something about it that doesn't feel right, obviously. So I know I know what you're saying in that sense. You know, in horse racing, we always talk about that racing sweat, the horse racing sweat, like when the race is over, when either you own a horse or you have action or you get down, you have that sweat. I'm not trying to make light of this, but is there a spelling bee sweat? Well, yeah. I mean, of course, if you get, listen, if you're betting any amount of money on anything, there's going to be a sweat, right? Like, it just, it's the nature of the beast. It's a very visceral experience to bet on something. At the end of the day, there is a, you know, 0.01% of the population that does this well and does this professionally. Um, 
that won't sweat, that won't even watch the games. They will treat this, you know, in a very quantitative way, and they'll look at it the way they look at numbers on Wall Street, and bets win, bets lose, stocks go up, stocks go down, and you take your formula, you apply it to the next day's action, and you move on because you feel comfortable with sort of the models you're making. For the rest of us, it's a sweat. It's a sweat whether you're at the track. It's a sweat if you're watching the spelling bee on television. It's a sweat if you're, you know, courtside at the NBA Finals. It's always going to be a sweat. Chad, let me uh, share a story really quickly just to kind of get us into this next topic. And because I think that your network and the personalities you have in your network are really, really good about this, about kind of relating their personal anecdotes. And then everybody's got these gambling stories. I never had any interest ever, 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 ever in being in horse racing, but, which I love. But my wife talked me into buying a share of a horse. And I really didn't want to. But she said to me, you need a hobby. Get out of the house. Let's just do this. It'll be fun. I bought 10% of a thoroughbred horse. Didn't really care didn't even know that much about the sport and then I bet that we bought the horse and then at Santa Anita Chad the horse is running dead last and I'm thinking to myself I must be the stupidest guy ever I don't even know the running lines I don't know what I bought I don't know what I'm doing and the horse came from dead last to win at the wire and I felt like somebody injected me with crack or a drug I never felt anything like that in my life and then I couldn't stop I kept looking for things to buy and other horses to get and I could never explain the feeling I just never had it before so let me ask you this are sports better when you're gambling on them? Well, I think so. And in a very, re- in a very real sense, I'm betting on that, right? Like I am, uh, you know, I'm, I've walked away from a very nice life at ESPN to bet on the fact that sports betting will become legal and that this is going to be the kind of content and um, the kind of experience that people want to engage with once it is more readily available and more widely available. So I 100% believe it. I also feel like, you know, you described a very interesting sort of um, reaction and experience. And I think that's what hooks people is you want to feel like you know something and you want to feel like you got away with something and you want to feel like you're on the inside. And even if it's just something that you know and nobody else does, if it's your secret, you walk around a little more confident, even if you've got, you know, whether it's $10 more in your pocket or $1,000 more in your pocket. Um, that's something that everybody connects with. And I always think about it this way, like, you know, Moneyball has become so popular in the past, say, 15, 20 years. And I think that's been a huge driver of why a generation of fans who, say, who are, say, between 15 and 35 um, have become a lot more comfortable with the idea of betting because you can translate sort of analytics and data and metrics in a way that you never were able to before, and it sort of cleaned up the industry a little bit and made it more comfortable for, for a generation of fans. Um, but I also feel like the reason why betting works and why it becomes so popular and why the characters in betting um, and characters at the racetrack become romanticized is because those are people who feel like there's something intuitive about who they are and what they know, and they can translate it into real dollars in a way that people who are outside of that world can't, and they don't have that instinct. And I think instinct is always going to instinct and intuition will always be two of the most prized traits of things that are admired by the American by American culture, and those are sort of paramount 
when it comes to sports betting. You know, you talked about the characters, the characters inside the game. It's been 16 years since your book, The Odds, came out. And for those who don't know, you followed three gamblers through a season in Las Vegas. One was a former cokehead and expert college basketball gambler with an Ivy League degree. The other was an up-and-coming wise guy from a small town in Indiana. And the third was the head bookmaker at the Stardust. Do you keep in touch with all three guys, and do you know how life turned out for them? Uh, I definitely do. Um, I keep in touch with two of them. So the head bookmaker, uh, he left um, the Stardust and moved to, um, he ran the Borgata. The Borgata for years was owned by the same company that uh, in New Jersey, um, the Borgata's in New Jersey and Atlantic City. That was owned by the same company that owned uh, the Stardust, a company called Boyd Gaming, which has, you know, properties all over the country. Um, so he went to run that. The guy who took over for him is a guy named Scooch, who was also a major character in the book. He's a guy who I've been doing a podcast that we call The Buffet, um, that I had at ESPN before that, um, that we do it together, and he's one of the best characters in betting. Like, he sounds like the Italian guy from Jersey that he is, but he is better at translating what's happening in sports books and what the mentality of betters is than anybody I've ever spoken to. Um, and he's become such like a cult figure in sort of this community. Um, Alan Dvorkis, uh, Alan Boston, is the other guy um, who I covered, who was the, you know, kid from Boston who went to Penn, studied psychology, got into betting when he was there, um, got out of school, like did all the things you said, you know, had a, had a pretty heavy um, drug habit. And he's sort of one of these guys who, and then got out of it, and like he's one of those guys who has an obsessive personality, and you see this a lot in betting. Like people who do this, they are iconoclastic, and they are all in, right? Because that's the only way to really do it is if you don't want to work for anybody else, you want to live by your own rules, and you are obsessive in nature about sort of studying what's happening in these sports. So Alan transitioned from sort of having issues with drugs to like treating his body like a temple and, you know, working really hard to work out every day, eating right, doing all the things that you would do. And he went on to become one of the biggest and best college basketball betters of all time. Um, he's now living in Connecticut and he, you know, uh, plays a lot of poker at, at sort of the casinos in Connecticut. The other guy, um, Rodney, uh, I do not um, keep in touch with. I kept in touch with him a little bit after the book, and we lost track of each other. And then Facebook sort of became big, and um, we sort of got back in touch. And then he was just posting shit that I just, like, didn't love on Facebook. Um, and so we, uh, like, you know, unfriended, defriended, whatever you do on Facebook, and I haven't spoken to the guy in, like, 10 or 12 years. But um, there were a lot of sort of tangential characters in the book, all of whom I still keep in touch with. Fucking social. Fucking yeah, right? social, man. That stuff. Hey, Chad, you know, it's funny. Uh, you and I were talking about this in the past, and I told you about my, our mayor that we own, Ms. Direction, and when she opened up on the morning line, she was 20 to 1 before a Breeders' Cup race, and we were all so ecstatic because we loved the horse and we loved the track that she was on, but by the time the horses went into the gate, she was down to 6 to 1, and I said to one of my guys, what is that? What the hell is that? And my guys said, it's the wise guys, man. It's the wise guys. Yep. They know. They know. So let me ask you, do these wise guys still exist, or are they relics of a different era? They totally exist. But I think what's happening is their advantage is getting crunched. And, you know, we talked a little bit about Moneyball, right? And so I would say the past generation, there's, there's a perfect storm that has happened that 
led to legalization and sort of the changing perception of sports betting among a lot of people. It is sort of the democratization of data and access to that data um, through digital means, whether it be the Internet or anything else. Um, people being comfortable with translating that data through um, what they had done with fantasy and saying, oh, well, it's no different than betting. Betting is no different, so I can sort of use that to my advantage. And then people thinking much more opportunistically about sports because they got comfortable with fantasy. You know, and you probably see this too, like people are less and less fans of teams. They're more and more fans of personalities, and they're more and more fans of um, their opportunity to win at sports and sort of control their own destiny. And then the, third, the, the fourth thing is access, right? People just have more access to making bets online. It's a much cleaner and safer environment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That group has become much more prevalent. And so it used to be there are the wise guys and there's the public and there are the sharps and there are the squares. Now there is a middle ground that is sort of people who really know this stuff. And I'm staring at an office full of these people right now who make a lot of bets and they are, you know, essentially advantaged players. They feel like they, they know more than the general public, and they follow the lines and sort of see where half a point in, is going to matter. Um, and they are inching towards becoming wise guys. But more importantly, they're just making the work much, much harder for wise guys. And so the wise guys still exist, but the advantage they had is shrinking. Huh. That's interesting. And Chad, what about the guys outside that group? I mean, for instance, you got people betting already, and you're talking about digital means. They're doing it digitally. They can bet with their phones. They can bet with their computers. Are they supposed to just stop doing that now that states are going to legalize it? I mean, are you going to stop doing what you're doing so you can pay higher commissions, so you can pay taxes on it? What about that process? You're, look, you hit the nail on the head. This is going to be, this is going to be the biggest challenge for the states. It's going to be the biggest challenge for the leagues, um, and it's going to be the biggest challenge for anyone federally who decides that they want to enact laws that um, make sports betting legal everywhere, because it is very hard to change people's habits um, and get them to stop doing what they're doing because something is all of a sudden available in New Jersey or Delaware or wherever. And so um, even people in Nevada who bet a lot of sports books will still bet offshore. They will bet with the places that, you know, are running their service through China, but still able to take bets in the United States. And those places, they offer reduced commissions, for lack of a better term. They're giving you better prices. And so what the states really need to figure out is how are they going to make their technology clean and efficient and bug-free um, so it's as easy to use as the stuff that everybody who bets offshore is using, but also how do they make it cost-effective so people who are betting offshore will really change what they're doing. The upside for the states is that there is a massive market of people who just don't do things because they're illegal, right? There are people who never smoked pot in their life in California who now all of a sudden it's legal and they're doing it all the time at parties, not because they ever sort of thought it was wrong morally, but they just decided they didn't want to do things that are illegal. There are going to be people like that, and that is the market where the states have an advantage, and that's what they're hoping is sort of that market starts to increase, and what they're getting is, you know, the 5 and $10 players, and they're turning a commission on high-volume, low-cost transactions. Mm. So let me ask you this. If somebody's interested in gambling, hasn't really done it, wants to start, 
How do they proceed? For instance, if you've got 500 bucks and you got a taste, you want a taste of the action, how do you recommend they start and proceed? So it's funny you mention that because we started putting together um, like a betting education section on the site two weeks before the announcement came out, specifically to be ready um, so people could understand what they're doing. Like everything from how do you understand line movement to what are the common phrases in sports betting that you need to know in order to make better decisions? What are the FAQs that you need to understand that everybody is always asking if you're a novice in sports betting? Like, you got to do your research. It's no different than investing in anything else. Like, you need to go to places like actionnetwork.com, and I'm not sort of just pimping there. I mean, you, there's a lot of places that sort of um, offer insight and information about how to make decisions. The challenge is, how do you find a clean, well-lighted place in the Internet universe that isn't just trying to sell you something, um, that isn't sort of saying, here's my five-star pick, and you should follow me and pay me 15 bucks, and you'll get the best pick I've had all week. And that's where the industry is going to have to do a lot of growing and a lot of cleaning and a lot of sort of pruning um, so people aren't afraid to, to go in and sort of make decisions like that. Hmm. Let me go sidebar with you really quickly before you go, because although you're immersed in this world right now, you have lived in other worlds. You wrote Gary Delabate's autobiography with him. They call me Baba Booey. Gary's the popular producer of The Howard Stern Show. What was it like to go into that world, and have you ever experienced anybody quite like Stern? Uh, it was, um, I'll tell you what, it was amazing. Gary is the sweetest, kindest like, most down-to-earth guy you could possibly imagine. If you've ever listened to the CERN show, um, then you understand, like, he is constantly sort of getting beaten up by everybody on the show, and, and he has been willing for 30-plus years now to go into any environment in a completely sort of um, unselfconscious way and just put himself out there. Um, and that is exactly who he is as a guy. Like, he is so open and honest about every single thing happening in his life so it was amazing to do the book. And I will tell you, I was never a Stern guy. Um, I grew up in Chicago, like when Stern was sort of popular in New York. And then when he was going national, um, I was in college and wasn't a radio listener. You know, you're, you're in college, you're getting up and rolling out of bed and going to class. Like you're not listening to the radio if, and you're certainly not listening to morning radio. And then when I got out of college, I was like living in New York and walking to work. And so I wasn't in a car. Like I just didn't have the ability to, to listen to him. So I think that's actually one of the things that got me the gig. Like I didn't really know anything about the Stern show. I didn't know any of the sort of the, the stock stories. Um, and so everything was fresh to me. And it's funny, like I would constantly be listening to old Stern shows on Sirius. And at the time I had a, uh, two-year-old kid, and my kid would walk into the bedroom and be like, are you listening to Boo Boo Baba? <laughs> you know, nobody understood Great. what I was doing. But it is the one book um, that gives me more credibility with, with readers than anything else. Like, people love, love, love that I did that book. I will tell you that nothing in reporting that book came close to the weekend I had, because um, I also wrote Chuck Liddell's autobiography. Um, and that was, I went to, to his house at the time in San Luis Obispo that was the craziest, strangest, like, sex fest of a weekend not involving me 
that I've ever seen in my entire life. It was, it was insane. And um, I, when I traveled back in the days before, like, you know, mobile phones that, you know, gave you instant sort of entertainment, I always brought the book, and I, you know, I worked at Sports Illustrator for a long time and then ESPN, and so I always brought the book Crime and Punishment with me because I figured if my options while I'm on the road are I'm going to go through all my notes and do all the work I need to do to sort of advance this story and get everything into my computer and start thinking about what the work is, um, if the options are do that or read Crime and Punishment, I'm going to do the work. Like, who wants to read Crime and Punishment? At the end of that weekend, like, I had about five hours left in my day there, and I was so sort of fried and overwhelmed, I just broke out Crime and Punishment because I, I could not even think about what I had seen or what I had experienced. It's insane. I mean, understand this. San Luis Obispo is a beautiful, sleepy little town in Central California. I mean, can you share what you saw, what you experienced, any of the details of a weekend with Chuck, a sex-fueled, sex-crazed weekend with Chuck Liddell in SLO? So I don't feel badly telling these stories because, like, Chuck A, you know, I haven't spoken to Chuck in years, and so I'm not telling schools stories out of school because he, um, a lot of this is in the book. Like, a lot of sort of the stories about sort of the way he was living his life is in the book. But, um, you know, I'll just say this, that, that, you know, we went out and it was a long night of partying with him and a lot of other, like, guys who want to be in the UFC and people he trained with and um, a lot of women and it was a lot of drinking and uh, you bounce around from bar to bar and it ended at three o'clock in the morning at his house and like there's some threesome going on somewhere and then it's me and like a carton of ice cream and a guy that trains with Liddell and another woman and they pair off, and then it's just me by myself eating like a carton of vanilla Häagen-Dazs, um, and reading Crime and Punishment. Uh, exactly. Then I finally went to bed, and uh, that's when I woke up the next morning. I'm like, I got to fucking read this book because I cannot process what just happened over the last like 12 to 24 hours. And I didn't see Chuck the next day. Like, I, like I was leaving at eight o'clock that night on a red eye back to the East Coast from California, and um, I didn't see him again the next day. Like, he never came out of his room. I think, I, I don't know what happened. Chad, I mean, you get the sense, too, like, you're like, holy shit, what just happened? I'm going to remember this, happened? right? But don't you get the feeling like that? that's just Tuesday to him or any other weekend to him? I mean, that's a weekend you'll never, ever, ever forget, but you wonder if that's just one of eight million to a guy like that. Yeah, and, and, and honestly, like, also, a sweetheart of a guy sure. living exactly the kind of life that he wants to live. Like, look, he is a really, really smart guy. Um, and 100% he is. And he just sort of made a choice. I'm going to live this life. It's how I want to live, and it's what I want to do. And good for him, man. Like, he owned it and went for it and was incredibly successful at it. Chad, this is why you and I had to get together for this conversation, because as good as our conversation was on the radio a few weeks back, we could never, ever have that conversation. And this is why I do this podcast. That is so good. Listen, if people listening right now want to know more about the Action Network or if they want to follow you on social, lay it out there. What's the best way for them to do it? Go to actionnetwork.com. You can follow us at Action Network HQ. You can follow me at 
Chad Millman. I appreciate it, Jim. Thanks for letting me say all that. Hey, listen, there's some great content there. There's other programming that you've developed already that we haven't gotten into, but you and I will do it again soon. Chad, that is an awesome conversation. I really appreciate you, and thank you so much for doing that and spending so much time with us. Thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate it. Quick spelling bee. Here's your word. Zipa. I got that one. Z-Y-P-P-A-H. It's happy Z spelled backwards. So if you go to bed with a Zipa, you're going to wake up with happy Zs. Listen, did you know that one night of bad sleep can ruin your entire day? Now, you probably got a summer vacation coming up. You do not want to ruin that vacation with snoring all night long. Vacations are supposed to be a time for rest, relaxation, recovery. How do you expect to get any rest if they're snoring all night long? You need to get a Zipa before you take that vacation because snoring is not sleeping. So if you or somebody you know snores, go to Zipa.com. Zipa is guaranteed to stop snoring. You've got nothing to lose. If you're not happy for any reason, at all, return it and get a full refund. You need another reason to buy a Zipa? How about this? Go to Zipa.com. Use the promo code Rome. You'll get free shipping for your Zipa. Snoring is rude. It's disrespectful and it's offensive because there is a cure. You do not want to ruin another summer vacation with snoring. So get your Zipa today by going to Zipa.com. Use the promo code Rome for free shipping and ensure that you have a great, great summer. Now, before you click on out of here, let me get at you one more time about something very important. Voting for the National Radio Hall of Fame is officially open, and I am one of the four personalities nominated in the spoken word category, and you can help me get in by voting two different ways. If you're on your phone and you are not driving, go ahead and thumb out a text to the number 96000. That's 96,000. In the message, just write 800 and send it. That's a vote right there. It's as simple as that. Text 800 to 96000. Once again, just text 800 to 96000. 800 to 96000. If you're a visual person, all the instructions are clear as day on my Twitter feed right now. Just check out at Jim Rome on Twitter if you need any help. Now, there is a second way to vote. You can do this both ways. It's not either or. You can vote twice. Simply go to RadioVote.com. That's RadioVote.com. You'll be asked to enter your email address, and then you'll be taken to a page where you can vote for me. The website could not be any more simple or any more straightforward. Just click on my picture and press Submit. That's RadioVote.com. The polls are now open. I need every single vote that I can get, and I so appreciate your help with it. Tell a friend as well. That would be chill. One more note on the way out. There is no podcast for the week of June 11th. I am heading into the basement for that week, so I will catch you right back here for F41 on June 19th. Thank you so much for listening to the pod and for sharing the pod and for subscribing to the pod. Now, if I can get you to do it, go vote for the National Radio Hall of Fame. Vote and then vote again and then vote on a friend's phone. Fam, thanks for everything. I'm out.